Welcome in, folks. Motown Rundown, your home for all things Detroit sports. A little bit behind schedule. Sue us. Here we are. We're doing it. Um, it is April 26th, 2021. Al Rabinowitz's 58th birthday today. Happy birthday, Dad. I don't think my dad listens anymore, but uh, if he did happen to tune in today, Dad, happy birthday. Um, so my dad's birthday was yesterday. I was the last one to call him. He told me I was out of the will. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, happy birthday. Happy birthday to, happy birthday to three Motown dads. Happy birthday. Yep. Cheers. Um, here's my first piece today before we move in. I noticed on my phone today, I don't know if you guys have the or had the Fox Sports app, the Bally Sports Detroit app is now official. It's on my phone. I can Yeah, and dude, right I I signed in today and for some reason I signed in with like my parents' like, TV account and it's AT&T Universe and it should have like the Bally Sports Detroit. For some reason I'm signed into some random TV provider in Kansas City. And like I'm watching the Kansas City broadcast for today's game. So really? Yeah, Just when was, you think Valley Sports has it figured out. Yeah, right? I'm like some I'm like, what is it's like a local like TV channel in the KC area. I'm like, what is going on? But whatever. Well, that's good. I'm glad I I don't want to give all the credit to myself of making the push to get the app, but Good for you, Bally Sports. Glad you finally realized that you're probably going to want to put out an application and a website before you launch an entire TV network. Um, but I digress. Um, I think the more pressing issue, Ryan Collins, your time at Michigan State is coming to an end. I know we've talked about it every single week for the past two months, it feels like. But what day do you officially graduate? Uh, Saturday. Saturday the 1st? Yep. What's the what's the protocol for graduation? Are they letting you guys actually have one? What's the deal? It's like in a parking lot, so it's not great anyway. So, <laughs> what's what are your uh, thoughts, emotions, feelings? What's your what's the mindset going into this last week here? Well, first well, of all, first of all, when do you when are you moving out of your house? I have no idea. I have no idea when I start my new job. So, a oh, new job too. It's not like a, I I took like a okay we not this is off show talk but what's it called yeah I have no idea no clue so well, what's the what's the what's the thoughts feelings emotions going into the last week sad depressing I'm old it's I, I don't know it's just weird I I like I don't know it's also like like I said earlier it's I'm I I mean me and one of my other roommates I think are the only two that are graduating and leaving like i have a couple other buddies that are like graduating but they got like a job up here or something know what i mean like they're staying in the air so it's like it's not like all of us are leaving so it's just kind of like me and my other buddies so i i don't know it's it's weird i'm gonna spend a lot of money this week i'll tell you that so yeah yeah can't yeah yeah. my overdraw my card mom sorry might happen this week blow it Trent, you're the lone wolf back up at uh, in East Lansing, my friend. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because I came up with a perfect analogy. Do you want to hear what it is? Sure. I, I always knew, I always knew that this day would come when we, like, back when we did Motown, like we started doing Motown. I'm like, oh, I'm a freshman, Ravs, a junior, Collins, a sophomore. So here's what it is. Have you seen Kung Fu Panda? Yes. yes, I'm looking forward to this comparison now. Okay. Master Shifu. Okay. So it's it's the obvious here. I am Poe. I'm the I'm just kind of the guy who came in, whatever, did his thing. Rabs was Master Uwe. 
And and he passed <laughs> he passed on his knowledge. He brought Collins and I onto the show, and Collins is Master Shifu. And now Collins is gonna leave me. And then next year I'm it's gonna be like Kung Fu Panda three, and I'm gonna be like on my own doing my doing my own. To be thing. honest, dude, I don't think I didn't I didn't make it past Kung Fu Panda one. Being, okay, well, I, 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 I didn't either. A two or a three. Well, I, but I what you said, you just said you, you just gave a Kung Fu Panda uh, example, and you're like, it's gonna be like Kung Fu Panda three, and you just you haven't watched. Well, yeah, it? no, that, no, the idea is like, I, no, I haven't seen. I don't even know if that exists. I'm just saying, like, I, it's I think like, it does actually. It's like too far removed now. It's like you, you guys are off in the distance, and I'm lonely here. It's that's how it's gonna be. But I had a good time talking with my roommate about that little comparison. I thought it was funny. There you go. Raps is a I like that. Yeah, it works. We're gonna we'll keep doing work, I good. guess. We're gonna keep doing the Moton rundown. We'll roll on Zoom. We we gotta get like mics. Collins has a good mic. We need like mics. I don't know, dude. My like computer for some reason has like fantastic audio. It's on. Un- it's like wild. Because I sound good. Like my computer, doesn't it sound good coming through my computer? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I, had a, I do have a mic and I don't even use it. The mic sounds worse than the computer. It's weird. I'd like well, to get a mic. There you go. We don't have a budget because no one, we don't make money. But yeah, if we did, top of the priority list. Yes. Um, all right. Well, let's move into the sports today. Depri- I'd like to go ahead. Dep- sorry. Very like low energy, depressed start to the show today. I'm sorry, guys. I just watched the Detroit Tigers get swept by the Kansas City Royals, and I literally want. I'm holding back like tears and like of thinking about buying a gun at Dicks and like shooting. Whoa! Like, not shooting anyone, just like going to a gun range and getting my stress out. I, I, I okay. good save, good save. You, you, you actually you took that in a very good direction. I thought it was going to be something else, but you know, I'm no, I'm not going to murder someone over a team that was never going <laughs> to probably go to the playoffs. But it's it's always fun to watch your team hit a leadoff triple in the eighth inning and strike out three times on twelve pitches. But hey, I digress. Go ahead, Rab. Start off the show. Well, uh, well, we'll touch all four teams today. I'd like to start off with some Pistons and Wings. We'll get you up to speed. I think the more pressing issues at hand for the fans will be the Tigers, uh, who have not been all that great as of late. And then we'll do the uh, – people forget the draft is coming up for the NFL. So we'll have to do our draft, on us. Our, our draft preview here as the Lions are sitting at seven. Um, but I guess to kick things off, I'll let you guys roll with some Pistons stuff first, and then I'll – Give my little wings update, and then we will uh, move on from there. So, gentlemen. I will say this. Um, you know, we kind of took last week off. It's exam week and not all that stuff, so Collins and I have been busy. So we haven't chatted in a minute. But last Monday, one week ago from today, when the Detroit Pistons played the Cleveland Cavaliers and won a very close game, that was the most fun I've had watching the Pistons in six or seven years. I was so excited because Jeremy Grant wasn't playing, Mason Plumley wasn't playing, Wayne Ellington wasn't playing, Dennis Smith Jr. wasn't playing, I don't think. It was just all the young guns. And I wish I could pull up the stats, and I will maybe when Collins talks, but Isaiah Stewart had like 18 points and 16 rebounds, and Killian Hayes looked really nice. He's one assist shy of a double-double, I think, something like that. He hit clutch buckets. Sadiq Bey hit six threes in the first half. It was just so fun to watch, and – Again, this is just my weekly reminder to everyone. The Pistons are a golden trash bag, so just go watch them. There's only like 10 games left, 15 games left, whatever. These young, This young talent is really starting to blossom, and Collins and I have talked about this for weeks now. This team is not as far away as everyone might think. You know, we talk about 
All the teams in Detroit are kind of in a rebuild right now, as frustrating as it is, which team is going to be the first to come out. And I think the Pistons have gotten overlooked in that conversation because Collins is exactly right in that they could absolutely compete for like a seven or eight seed next year. So that's that. I know it sounds redundant, everything that I've been saying, but as tank season is now officially activated in these last 10, 15 games, watch the Pistons because they're holding out some of the bigger names and they're letting the young guys play. And it's awesome. I think the one name we kind of forget in the little Pistons like rebuild and whatever they've been doing is Josh Jackson. I don't know what he's averaging per game, but like he's noticeably like he's going to be a nice player for them. And I'm not saying he's going to be like a core. I, I I don't know what he is, but he can play. Like that was a good pickup. You got him for two for eight with like a team option. You know what I mean? Like that. I think that's sneaky been one of the best parts of this Piston season that they've taken chances on young guys like throughout the league, like a Tyler Cook who got his first start the other night and didn't look that bad. You know what I mean? Like it, it, they've done that. They've done their due diligence on a couple of young guys instead of like saying, Hey, let's just like, we know who this guy is. Let's just let him play out his contract. You know what I mean? And then move yeah. on and we'll get someone else in there. I thought they've done a really good job with that, with the guys like Hamadou Diallo, even though I, I think I would rather have speed Svee in a Detroit Pistons jersey than Hamadou, but. I, I, and you get a Dennis Smith Jr. who at times looked like he can play uh, in the league at a decently high level. So I think they've gotten like under the radar. They haven't got enough credit for those little signings and, and what they're going to do for the future. Because I like you miss on Jaleel Okafor, but like I Josh Jackson, I sneaky think was just as good of a signing as Jeremy Grant was. And you yeah. can say how crazy that like sounds. Jeremy Grant was a borderline all-star and Josh Adson wasn't. Josh Adson's going to be around here, I think, for a long time if they're willing to commit like and not even that much money to him because he's on a bad team and he's putting up numbers. I think no one really watches the Pistons around the league because of the record. But like if you watch them on a consistent basis, like you're like, okay, Josh Adson can play. Like he 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 can play on a like contending team because he plays good defense. His jump shots improved tremendously and he can kind of create for himself and on a good team, he's not going to have to do any of that. Like he, he, his role just kind of falls into place where it's like, okay, hit a couple shots for us, be one of our best win defenders. So I, I, I think looking at the Pistons that strong underrated. And I, I mean, Killian Sadiq and Isaiah Stewart the last like two weeks getting an opportunity to actually watch them play for the first time in a long time together. It's been fun. So, I mean, they're watchable. Like they weren't like the Pistons have been watching. It's there's a difference between the wins and the Pistons. Pistons are watchable, wins aren't. Just point blank. It's just like the wins are like okay, we are still like two or the three years away from being like maybe interesting. You know what I mean? Like and the Pistons, I think, and me trying to kind of harp on this last couple of weeks, unless they get somehow like the seventh pick, if they end up with a top five pick, I truly believe if the Pistons with a Jeremy Grant, with a Mason Plumley, and Killian A's in year two, Sadiq Bay in year two, Isaiah Stewart in year two, that they will try to sort of win. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be like the tank show like they're doing this year. Like, I think the Pistons will try and, like, create some sort of winning culture if they are able to get an elite prospect in the draft. So, I, I, I you're right, Trent. I, we talked about, oh, I think the Tigers are the closest to that. Oh, we think the wins. We think the Lions. It might just be the Pistons, who is started their rebuild later than any of them, which is kind of sad to say about the Tigers' wins and now the Lions, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's tough to, to really – actually, it's not tough. 
I was going to say credit to Troy Weaver because he does deserve a lot of credit, but it's also just the incompetence of Al Avila and Bob Quinn. You know, obviously now we got Al Avila is so bad at his job. Yeah. I can't, I can't say that enough, but I, you're right. Troy Weaver, every like national NBA media person and including a couple of people in the local Detroit area, because I didn't really think people in local Detroit said this, like I need to apologize to Troy Weaver. Like I really, I, I don't under like, they're like, oh, you're really going to draft Isaiah Stewart at 16? Oh, you're really going to go out and sign Jeremy Grant for 20 mil when he hasn't proven anything offensively? And all these deals have looked pretty good. I get you let Christian Wood go. He's been injured the entire year. And, and I think the Pistons wouldn't have let Christian Wood go if they didn't know who he was like as a player and what they need going forward in the rebuild. So, like, I, I, I didn't like the Mason Plumlee like, signing, and I don't like the minutes they give him. But – I still think like this has been a fantastic starting offseason for Troy Weaver, and he hasn't got enough credit around the league because the Pistons' record is so bad. Yep. Like, if you watch this Pistons team, you know that they have some sort of future. So, my last little tidbit is that Isaiah Stewart is leading all rookies in rebounds, which is awesome. And Sadiq Bay is probably going to make a very, very good case for the all rookie first team. If Sadiq Bay is not an all for like, rookie team i would be shocked he has to be he's been well, fantastic i mean there's been a lot there's been a handful of really good rookies this year now that they don't do it by position anymore it's kind of that actually plays in his favor because but the, like who who okay you got lamello anthony edwards will probably be all rookie just because the sheer numbers he's putting up halliburton's been really good and then at fourth best rookie when i really think about it, it's probably sadiq like yeah. wiseman has been super inconsistent all year and he's yep. had injuries yep sadiq bay is going to be there in my opinion i think yep so that's all we got. All right. we'll you could make a case building. for Stewart too, honestly, but I, I don't think he will. Do they have a second team all rookie? Uh, yeah. Then he'll be on that because yeah. Stewart's been really good this year. All right, let's stay in the building. We'll do some wings, um, and we'll move on here. So you. I guess to I guess to just keep us up to speed on the wings, they got six games left. If you watch the last game they played against Dallas, the best I'll. I'll it's a twofold statement I want to make. Number one, the Wings got outshot 52 to 17 in a two to one overtime loss against the Stars. How that game was only two to one is beyond me. So you got to give the Wings some shredder. Actually, you give Jonathan Bernier credit for the fact that he stood in there and was getting peppered with shots. And somehow the Wings were still able to keep it to a, to force overtime and keep it to a two to one game. So that was pretty brutal to watch i was actually in the building for the wings game against the stars on thursday which was awesome that was my first time in little cedars arena probably in over a year so as weird as it was and eerie to be walking around that building with only seven there were 709 people in the building for that game as far as fans are concerned so that was a bit uh that was nightmare fuel walking around in there but a huge seven to three win there for the wings um I guess the first thing I want to get into, I guess we'll, we'll catch up on these trades that were made. Jacob Brana, five goals, six points in five games, four of his goals coming in that stars game that I was at on Thursday. So, I mean, if you're a wings fan, I guess you can't ask for much more. I mean, maybe you're looking at four goals in, in five games and, I guess at first glance, you're like, that's pretty fantastic. Maybe you'd like the production spread out a bit more, but I would say, I mean, Hey, look, to put up four goals in one game, like good for you, dude. Anthony Mantha too, to his credit in Washington, I think has six points in six games. So 
I don't necessarily look at, I don't know if I said this when, when we initially talked about the Manta trade, I am not going to look at the rest of Anthony Manta's career in Washington or wherever it may be and like size him up to Jacob Verana in any way, shape or form. I have seen enough of the, uh, of the resume of Anthony Manta in Detroit to the fact where it was like, it, I don't think it mattered what happened to this team. Maybe come the time Anthony Manta's like 29 or 30 and you can consider this rebuild over. Maybe then you look at Manta and go, okay, the team's solid now. What can you do for us? But there's no reason if you're a Red Wings fan to look at Anthony Mantha in Washington and look at his production and be like, wow, they really blew this one. Like you have Jacob Rana, who's been good here through five games. I don't really know what else you want. Like at this point, it is what it is. So good for Anthony Mantha. Um, there's only, like I said, a handful of games left to play. I guess the notable things that have, that have happened transaction wise, Lucas Raymond signs his entry level deal. Um, I highly doubt, I shouldn't say I highly doubt cause who knows? I don't really know how the contract thing works out as far as if you play him in games this year, if you're going to burn some of his contract duration. Um, but, uh, he signs his entry level deal, which I have to imagine. I would hope, I would hope to get. God, that this kid can start the, can start the season next year with the Red Wings because you look around the league and you see so many of these young guys 18 19 years old that just get shoved into the lineup I mean Cole Caulfield now is playing and I don't know if he's been called up yet for Montreal I think he might have been but it's like you'd think that can, can the Wings just get one guy who you'd think if you draft the guy inside the top five he can play somewhat relatively soon so I'd like to think that Lucas Raymond starts the year in Detroit next year. Joe Valeno is back from his time in the SHL. Didn't have tremendous numbers in that league. Um, but uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances, it sounds like Joe Valeno might be playing tomorrow night being Tuesday the 27th uh, against Columbus. I think he's dealing with a bit of an upper body injury. So that we'll, we'll see on that. So excited to see him and, and the improvements that he's made over his time on loan in the SHL. Uh, Mo Sider, I might screw up what this award is, but I believe he won the award for like the best U20 player in the SHL this year. So good for him. I mean, he's he's had a tremendous year over there. Uh, I think the physical upside that you're seeing now from Mo Sider is something that, that you probably didn't think you were getting in the capacity that it looks like you'll get from him. So will Mo Sider play in these last six games here? Um who knows? I again, as far as the see that video of him just running people over in Germany, Rabs. Yeah, see, that's the thing is like, like I was kind of saying is like his his physical attributes are, I think, well above of what you might have thought you were getting out of him. So, I mean, it, it looks like he's progressed pretty uh, exponentially, which is good to see. So, I, I'm really not as well versed as I should be on contracts and stipulations and and conditional whatever. So if he's, if he's able to get some games in here down the stretch, then more power to him. I know Dennis Chalowski scored the lone goal and um, the ass kicking that the wings received, at least on, at least from watching the game. Um, so, so good for him that he's getting some time, him and Gustav Lindstrom. Um, other than that, I guess other announcements, Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, Franz Nielsen are all out for the season. Uh, we haven't seen Bertuzzi when it feels like a year. So I, that's tough for him as a guy that's here on a one-year deal. I, I would have to imagine the wings are going to re-sign him again. If it's another one-year deal, whatever it may be, just kind of a bad bounce with the injury. I can't imagine they'll just let him walk. I think he's deserved 
the ability to stay here. The only thing that might mean for Tyler Bertuzzi is he might not be getting the money that he thought he was going to get if he was continuing to produce and being in the lineup here um, throughout the whole season. Um, so other than that, I mean, I think the majority of the wing stuff is going to have to be talked about after the season and looking at where they might land in the draft, um, what you're looking at as far as how they played this season, who's going to be coming back, who won't be coming back. So I don't know. I mean, with the, with a team that's been as bad as they've been, and to their credit, they've snuck some games here and there. But I think the conversations come down to, like, what's the deal with Jeff Blaschel? And it sounds like from the little bit that he's been speaking about in the media that he's had some good conversations with Steve Eiserman. Um, I really don't want to take too much time into the Blashill thing today so we can get to that. But, yeah, I mean, the wings are what they are. They're not very good. Um, they made some good moves at the deadline, and we'll have to see if going going forward. But the fact that Lucas Raymond signed his entry-level deal and that you're now getting Valeno and Mo Sider back in the mix, there's at least a bit more excitement going into next season. And, and we'll have to have a serious conversation about the Red Wings and their prospect pool, because in a similar sense of the Tigers, it's like, you're just kind of looking at like, we're like, we need some like players. Like, can I get a guy that yeah. take over a game and, and, and play? So on that note, I do want to talk about the Tigers now. Um, I know the price. Jesus, the primary, good Lord. The primary aspect of this episode is to talk about the Lions, <sighs> and the draft, but the Tigers after losing to the Royals today have now lost 10 of their last 11 games. Um, there are there are so there are so many angles that you can attack this thing, and I believe I texted you guys um, last week at some point when we were trying to plan out this next episode, and I don't know if I'm really prepared to do it all today, but I want to go back and refresh everyone on all of the trades that were made from the Verlander trade to the Justin Wilson and and. Avila trade to the Upton trade to the Shane Green trade to all these trades that have been made in the last in the in the few recent memories of of what's gone on here in the last couple of years with Tigers baseball and I would just like to go over with the fans potentially next week once we get the draft stuff out of the way of just what you have given up and what you have gotten in return, because my God, is it pathetic? Like it's actually pathetic how bad these trades have been for the Tigers. And I get it with baseball. It's tough. You got a million prospects. You know, these guys are ranked X in an X organization. And it, it, it's hard to project a lot of these guys out, but I just look around this league and how many names just pop up out of nowhere, like this Mercedes guy in, in Chicago and all these guys that the Chicago White Sox have, from your Tim Andersons to your Juan Moncados to your Jose Abreus to, to Luis Robert or all these guys that it just seems like the Tigers can't even get a sniff. And I know that Jamer Condelario has had a solid year, and if you want to look at one guy – who of all trades, of all trades that the Tigers have made, Jamer Condelario and Isak Paredes come over for Justin Wilson and Alex Avila, who I don't even know if either of these guys are in the league anymore. But when I throw out names like J.D. Martinez and Justin Verlander and Justin Upton and, 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 and all these guys that have been moved. Is Franklin and- Perez alive? Like, what's going on there? Like, the JV deal – amazing it's amazing that the one trade you have gotten 
any value from so far that you've seen on the field is Justin fucking Wilson and Alex Avila. That yeah. to me is amazing. I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to beat the, beat the horse here on this trade stuff, but I do next week, if I can remember to put together a list of all the guys that were moved and all the guys that have come back. And you can tell me what guys a, you remember B are still playing baseball and C having any shred of impact on this team. Dude, Avila just sucks at his job. Okay. I don't want, we, we don't need to spend this much time. On, and, and, and Rabs, you're exactly right about all that. Avila stinks at his job. And I'm not just talking about trading and wheeling and dealing. We're talking about these stopgap, stupid-ass signings that we seem to be talking about every week because Robbie Grossman is still playing every single day in right field or left field when you got you – know, and I know Reyes and Jacoby Jones, and we're kind of get, reaching that They've point stunk. where it, – It's kind of reaching that point where, okay, we're 20 games in. I, I would hope you, know, you want to see something at this point. At some point, the average – is what it is, but it just, uh, man, and Urania, I know he had a good last start, but there's no reason you should be four starts in and not have a win yet. If we, if we brought you in, well, to he, I mean, if you, if they're, if they could have gotten more than three runs in two of his outings. Yeah. They yeah. But how, oh, what, what if he also didn't give up six runs in the first three innings? Urania has been fine since his first start. He really has. I, I, I've, I, well, it's, I'm not. I'm not saying the pitching is. The, I know. I am well pitch, aware that the, they're a the top five is issue for this team. The their ERAs, their starting pitching staff's ERA is top five in the Major League Baseball, okay. and they have the worst record I think in baseball too. They're, I think the uh, point. The point that I'm making is about Avila. You just. It's no. I, yeah, I think the anger should be towards the fact that he saw this roster last year. He saw a little potential, and and. and this pitching's not going to continue. I don't see Matt Boyd being the guy he's been this year, even though he's been awesome. As much shit as we've given Matt Boyd over the last like, two years, given all these lead-up home runs, he's been nasty this year yep. and really, really and good. No, I mean, it, like, what's it called? He gives one earned run up and eight innings, and the Tigers are down one to nothing. They they never held the lead once against the Kansas City Royals. And this isn't some, like, elite staff. This really isn't. And the fact they can't push any like runs across the day, it's just embarrassing. The fact that they didn't want to, and we said this last year, Rabs. Why, like, and I don't think it's just Avila, I think it's Illich too. You have to spend some sort of money. They haven't spent any money in the last three years on like anyone worth a note, which is like fine, whatever. I get it. You want to have your gun guys, they're in a rebuild, but it's five years at this point. Shouldn't we be trying to win a little bit? And all you spend money on is, like you said, stopgap, like fifth starters. And corner outfielders who bat 240. Can we get a guy in here who, like, actually can hit over 280 consistently and has some extra base power? It's unbelievable. I, I One of my biggest gripes, too, and in – I just think looking at not only looking at guys that have that are here right now or the lack thereof that are at the major league level, but guys that have also been here and left the player development in this organization is so abysmal. Like, and I, I get, trust me, I, I understand the game of baseball. I've played it my whole life. I understand that out of a lot of sports, the development of baseball players can be dicey. Some guys blossom later than others. Playing baseball and hitting, especially at the major league level, even pitching too. It's, a, it's very, 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 very difficult. 
But I continue to go back to these conversations we have about these names that we've been hearing for years and years, and they just seem like they're nowhere close. I'm not going to rag on, on Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize, but outside of Casey Mize's first start, he doesn't look like a 1-1 guy by any means. And I get he's young, but like Eugenio Suarez, James McCann, even like a J.D. Martinez who was fine here but is still just raking in Boston. All these guys that have been here and they leave and they find success or these guys that we bring in, like your Dowell Lugo who's not playing professional baseball in the major leagues anymore. What is going on? Like Jake Rogers, who's like, this is the guy. Here's your next catcher. He can't hit out of a paper bag. Like that's where my focus goes. We can talk all day long about AJ Hinch and the fact that he can't keep the same batting order together for more than two days in a row. And, 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 and his, how, how big of a boner, excuse my language he has for analytics and numbers, but it's like, my God, the, the, the roster in this organization from a player development standpoint and from a personal personnel standpoint is so far behind the curve. If Jamer Condelario is your poster boy, I, I hate to say it, but if that's the guy that's going to carry the load for this team, you ain't winning shit. You are not winning shit in my lifetime, if this is the guy that's supposed to spearhead the rebuild, he's a fine player. He's been great at the plate this year, but I've seen enough of him and his inconsistencies. And it's not like he's like a plus plus defender, but my God, man, I mean, Jonathan scope, who's not batting over 200 right now, Wilson Ramos is batting 217. Miggy, I know he's not been in the lineup, but like, it's not like Miggy's lighting up the scoreboard. If anything, he's been one of your best hitters, it feels like, over the past couple of days. You, you finally realize the Keel Badu is human. I got to watch Nico Goodrum play every fucking day like he's Lou Gehrig, and he's batting 207. Robbie Grossman's batting 203. Like, well, come on. The thing about it is, Revs, none of them can hit. Like, it's not even just like, and I still think Jacoby Jones needs more reps. I will say, you know who he is. He's not going to walk. Like, he's not a guy who has good play discipline. But in this lineup where you have limited guys who can create extra base hits, he is one of those guys. And, and, and I just, I I love Victor Reyes. And he hit the ball hard three times a day. But he's betting 115. Like, at, at some point, you got to, like, okay – well, I find with giving Victor Reyes all these at-bats, but at the same time, I can't have like Jacoby Jones being an odd man out because Victor Reyes is getting bats. We kind of flip-flopped like this the last like three weeks talking about the Tigers on who needs at-bats and who doesn't. They all suck. It doesn't matter who it is. Willie Castro, a guy I had very high hopes for, has been awful this year. You want to talk about bad plate discipline? He's been horrible at the plate. This team is, in general, play discipline is atrocious. You you would expect they would value at-bats. That was one of the hinge things. Like, okay, we're going to value at-bats. They don't at all. The only guy who I really do see do that consistently is Jamer Candelario. And as much as Shep and Morris want to be like, oh, Robbie Grossman, great play discipline. He doesn't swing at two straight pitches half the time. He just – he's like, okay – if this is a ball, whatever, if it's a strike, you know what I mean? Like, that's not play discipline. I think Candelario is the only guy who has played discipline. 
And his extra base ability has not been there this year. It hasn't. He's hit for average, which is fine. I'm fine with that. And he's been one of he's been the best Tigers player in the field this year. But like Miguel Cabrera today, it I I don't need I understand he's not the same player. The strikeout on the three pitches he struck out today was was ridiculous. Like it, for Willie Castro and Jamer Candelario to watch Miguel Cabrera get three sliders out of the zone and swing at all three of them, and then they do the exact same thing is insane to me. Like that, that's just like not caring. It really isn't because like if you had any sort of like, like, Hey, I know what I'm going to have an approach to play. I'm going to make him throw me a fastball. I'm going to make him not bounce the slider. And I know the guy had good stuff, but like a guy at third base with zero outs, you have to score him. You have to score him. And for you not to get the ball in place for six straight outs, basically where you had guys in man and storage position, that's ridiculous. And that's just an indictment on like, the players, the coaching staff, and the management. And I think it goes all the way to the management for the fact that they just, for the last four to five years, I understand that they were like, okay, we're committing to the rebuild. We're going to cut down payroll. Are we ever going to pay spend money? Are they ever going to get an expanded budget? Like, I, I, I don't understand it. Like, I, I understand the fact that it's like, okay, maybe we had faith in Willie Castro. Maybe we had faith in these guys to, to perk up and have a really nice year. And it just hasn't worked out. Fine. I'm fine with that. That doesn't excuse the fact that you have guys that the guys that you bring in here are Robbie Grossman, Wilson Ramos, and no more Mazzaro guys who are not terrible players. They deserve to be on major league rosters, but they're not like starters for you to not go out and every year. It's like, okay, we're going to go get a new starter. You know what I mean? Like, let's go get another, like third, like a, let's go get a shortstop who can actually play shortstop and not have Willie Castro play out of position. You know what I Like, I don't know. They're horrible in the field, by the way, too. Horrible defensively. Up the middle, I don't think they've turned a double play I've, any game I've watched this year. They're horrible up the middle. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, I'm I so mean, mad. Again, I know it just – I don't want to be talking in circles here. And like I said, I, I do want to present – I don't mean to just sit up here and bitch. I genuinely – and I was looking back. I was doing the research during the one game that I texted you guys about this, about you look at the names that you traded away – and to, to read the return that you have or lack thereof is infuriating. So that's a, that's a conversation for another day to really get into the nitty gritty of it. But yeah, I mean, you got both of you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, the Tigers right now as a team are have the, the second most strikeouts at the plate. They have the worst on base percentage and the third worst batting average. Like the numbers, like the, the numbers don't lie. And for I just feel like an idiot because I you come on here like every year and it's like okay like I'm excited to watch the team this year and I get it the season's still young and I'm not gonna do am I sitting up here banging my fist on the table because they're not in first place no I know they are what they are but at some point it's like five five games in a row where the bats aren't going like it's okay you know they're in a bit of a slump, but to, to now go the last like 10, 11, 12 games. And it's just the same shit every game. And Collins, you said it before we recorded the pod, the pitching hasn't been all that bad and maybe numbers. It's been wise, good. Maybe certain pitching to top five ERA in the league. That's good. Well, I would say, I would, I would say looking at guys like Urania, I mean. Urania has been good the last two starts. And Fulmer and Scooble have not been bad doing a little three-inning thing the last couple of things. I'm just saying, during, you would expect in a losing streak like this that, oh, 
where they lose in like football games. Like it's eight to three. It's something like that. They're getting blown out. These are all close games. They're basically losing. The, and, 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 I also want to point out the last game they won was a seven inning game as part of a doubleheader. So congrats to that. I just, I not to be Debbie Downer. I'm just like, Rabs, against the right. Pirates who stink. That's what I'm saying. You can come on here and beat the table, Rabs, because you know what? It's year five of this shit. Because at some point, you gotta. You we all get excited for the season every year because you just do. Whether or not your expectations are high or low, all three of us had high expectations, and the team has been terrible. And the I expectation should be higher this I, year. That's what I'm saying. It's okay for us to be, get like this. It's yeah. okay for us to expect more because we should. We're the Detroit Tigers. As much as I love the Lions, guys, our expectations every year, of course, I do my slappy thing, but it's the Lions. They didn't make any big moves in the offseason. Be the Tigers. Can you be the Detroit Tigers? You got the best logo in baseball. You're a top five franchise in the MLB. <laughs> I love that sort of reasoning. Yeah, it always is. Just just be the Tigers. Collins, you're exactly right. Illich, spend some money, man. Avila, get your ass out the door if, if all you're going to do is stop. Gaps, I, I, look, Avila's been, Avila has not done great in trades and stuff like that, but I don't blame him. And his free agent signings because Illich has not they he doesn't have the budget to do anything like that. I think it's an organizational flaw right now that they're like, okay, and this is a baseball flaw too, that everyone's like, okay, we can get guys on the cheap. We don't have to go and do what we did for the last 10 years where we went out in free agency and got the big free agent guy, like the Detroit Tigers did for a while. Like, oh, we're not gonna go out there and spend a ton of money for a guy like Prince Fielder. Like, oh, we're not – you know what I mean? Like, even when they made those moves, like, sometimes it didn't work out, but whatever. Say, like, hey, you got the asset, and, and, and you look in the field right now, other than Candelario, I don't know if they have any assets right now. I really don't. I'm not – Willie Castro with his exception because this has been a really small sample size, but maybe – like, last year he batted, like, 340. I'm not going to give up on a kid, like, who had that type of, like, production in a 60-game stretch. And Victor Reyes, like, what? I mean, I still have some hope, I guess, for him. But, like, other than that, like, I have – from a positional standpoint, there are – it's bleak. And hopefully Riley Green and Torkelson are up soon enough. Because right now the pitching's good. Like, Turnbull, again, was awesome today. I think Turnbull's a piece in the future. Like, I really do. I think Turnbull's a piece. I And say what you want about Mize. When Mize is right, he's unhittable. And it's still early in his career. And I know his numbers don't bode well for what he will be in the future. I still have faith in Mize. Scooble still have faith in. I don't think he's going to be a one-two guy like maybe I thought earlier. And Fulmer has been good this year. Like, Fulmer has been good. So, I, 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 I they have options at the pitching staff. And I, I don't even hate their bullpen that much like I have in the past. It's just they have zero, like – anyone in the lineup that interests you or like, Oh, when, when you're thinking about putting up a trade with the Tigers, really, like, Hey, do you want like, do you want Nico Goodrum? No. Cause he's a, he's a backup on any other team in the league. That's, that's trying to win. So I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, Even though I'm Goodrum, uh, sorry, I, I need to stop talking because I'm well, just, I'm just, I I'm frustrated with a guy like Nico Goodrum because it was like, dude, you, I, mean, I appreciate the one year he had where he was like really solid at the plate 
And the, the fact of him being like a utility guy, I get it. But it's not, it's not like, again, he's not like a plus defender everywhere in the field. And I also can't stand when he starts in the outfield over like a Reyes or a Jacoby Jones. Like it just, that's so, it's so ridiculous. They try to give him at bats. I like, I don't really understand what the point is, but you, you made a good point Collins. And I, this is the last thing I'll have to say. And if we want to get Trent in the mix, more than welcome to, if they have a, if they have a, if they, I'm supposed to go, I think I might be going out to Chicago to watch a game with my uncle David uh, coming up this week. So if they lay an egg for the rest of this week and I have a chance to come on this podcast again, and they haven't improved at all, then I might be going scorched earth with this, with my whole spiel here. But the last thing I want to say is, is like you said, Collins, you made a very good point about you look around this team and you, you, you have to start scratching your head and looking, okay, where are the assets? Because if you're going to be a bad team, look at what the Red Wings just did. Okay. And, and, and you have a guy like, you know, your Mark Stalls, your Patrick Nemeth, your, your Anthony Mantha. So I guess it's a, it's a bit of a different case, but um, you know, a Bobby Ryan that was brought over to be traded. Obviously he got hurt. So you, you, you kind of get screwed there, but you have to look at guys that you have value in that you're willing to trade who are on the older side of things that other teams can benefit from what assets does this team have you hit it right on the head Collins because no one's no one's banging on your door for Robbie Grossman at the deadline no one's banging on your door for a for a Jonathan Scope who's batting 176 at the deadline the only asset that you have on this team right now that any team and I get maybe you maybe you flip some lesser name guys for for whatever, no name prospects. The only guy on this roster right now for the Tigers that you can flip for any considerable sniff of a prospect name that might possibly contribute to your team is Matthew Boyd. That's like the only guy right now that I look at that if you're going to go flip someone at the deadline that you might be able to get value for, assuming that Matthew Boyd continues to, to produce at the clip that he is right now, that's your guy. You're like, is, who's Derek Holland bringing you back? If you want to move Norris or Fulmer, which you shouldn't, who are those guys bringing back? Like, who's Wilson Ramos bringing back? I like. I don't get like, – that's it to me. I don't know who else – you tell me you go trade Wilson Ramos at the deadline. You're telling me you're getting the team's number three prospect. Fuck that. No, you're not. And you're probably not for Matthew Boyd either. And a guy who, again, should have been traded two years ago. But now he's at least having a good year. And for the sake of his own mental health, get his ass out of here. Give him a chance to go win. They got nothing. What are you doing at the deadline? Because you got no one to move, bro. No one. That's all I got. Trent, if you got something else to add, please do. If nope. not, then let's move on. Nope, I got nothing. I'm not out, though. I'm not out on the team. No, I'm not either. I the just, season, it's, a, it's, it's, it's early in the year. They've, they've played, what, 20-something games. I get it, but it's like, my God, man, you guys are right. Five years of this rebuild, man, and you got nothing to show for. I nothing. shouldn't fucking hear, oh, just give them two more years. It's been five fucking years. Five <laughs> years. And I watched yeah, Wilson got, got, Ramos catch catch balls behind a plate like he's had an oven mitt on. 
Yeah, okay. and our, our two longest tenured Tigers are Miguel Cabrera and Buck Farmer. That's what we're dealing Dude, with. Buck Farmer being on the team still is absolutely shocking and appalling. But contain, uh, let's let's. That's it. On. That's it. I think we I think we've exhausted our Tigers bit. Let's do yeah. Lions. Yes. Let's, let's, let's do, do a team Lions. that that will surely decompress us, and make us feel a lot better about ourselves. Let's do the Lions. I have been chomping at the bit to get this uh, this draft preview done. I know there's a million ways we can attack this as well. Um, Trent sent over some tremendous questions that I can ask all you guys. We can have a bit of a roundtable here. Um, but obviously, seventh overall pick. The draft is this Thursday as we are recording on Monday the 26th, as I said. Um, I want to get some initial thoughts of what you I, I, before before we get into the draft questions. I want to hear from each of you. If you're Brad Holmes, what do you want the Lions to do? What do you think the Lions will do with the seventh pick? Whether you think they're staying there, whether you think they're taking a quarterback, whether you think they're trading back. I know the trade and stuff like I'm not going to sit here and grill you guys like, oh, well, if they trade seven, what picture are they getting? Because who knows? Third next year, six two, six, two years from now, who knows? Trent, I'll start with you. What do you think they're doing at seven? What would you like them to do? I would ideally like the Tiger and the Tigers, the Lions to trade back. And I think that nine is the most likely. And that's what I'm seeing everywhere. Denver has the ninth pick. They need a quarterback. They might come up and try to get like Trey Lance at seven or something like that. So I like, I would like if the Lions throw out some smoke screen and stuff like that. But I also wouldn't mind if the Lions drafted their quarterback. And I know that's a big, big, big discussion that we can probably get into in a little bit here. But I was talking to Collins about this on Green and White yesterday. This is kind of a unique situation here because there's nothing Brad Holmes could do other than maybe draft like J.C. Horn, like a corner or something like that, where I'm like going to be up in arms and, and running around and pissed off. Like there's, there's, there's not really much because the team is that bad. I mean, the roster is that bad to where it's like, Okay, yeah, if Penny Sewell is available and you want to maybe put together a great offensive line, pair him up with Taylor Deckard and Frank Ragnow, who's an all-pro, thank you very much, then go do it. If you, if you want to be run heavy, you know, with uh, DeAndre Swift and build your offensive line, do that. If you want to take Micah Parsons, maybe trade back and draft a linebacker, you know, and, like, try to fix this log jam that is Jamie Collins, Jalen Reeves-Maben, and just have someone come to the rescue. Like, go do that. If you want to pick Devontae Smith, who just won the Heisman, and maybe try to get Jared Goff a couple of weapons so the best receiver on the team is not Quintez Cephas, that's fine with me too. It's just if Pitts is available, go for it. Defense, the defense stinks, so just pick any defensive player. The point I'm trying to make is, like, I am not going to be up in arms about anything in particular that Brad Holmes does as long as it's, like, I don't even know it, it, unless we like trade up to three or something and give up a ton of, we give up those two first rounders we just got from the Rams, something like that. That would piss me off. But other than that, I guess ideally I would like the Lions to go defense. Uh, I can't even really give you a name because I don't think they're going to stay at seven. So it'll be interesting to see where it is. The Patriots at 15, that's another prospect. They might come up and try to get a quarterback, but those are my thoughts. I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. Trent, it's just like one of those situations where they have so many needs that, I, I mean, I'm lukewarm to the idea of them drafting a quarterback if it's not Justin Fields. Like, if Justin Fields is there, I'm fine with them taking him. Because I just think it's like one of those things, it's like, and it's a win-win. Like, it's a, I, I don't necessarily think, I think it's actually a good situation for him to come into. A year where he wouldn't have to start. He, a place with pretty low expectations. You know what I mean? Like, 
I feel like he would not have to play in his first year and, and he gets his feet under his whatever. I don't, I, I'm lukewarm with the idea of them drafting a quarterback. If they draft Trey Lance, it's just not going to work. That's like the only thing that would kind of make me mad if they did that. But I, I generally think they'll stay at seven and probably take a Sewell or a Smith or maybe a Waddle. I, I, I the Pistons always, I mean, God, the Lions, me and Trent are just talking about other Detroit teams right now. The Lions, it's like every year I hear them buzz about moving back. But this year they actually have some sort of leverage. And Trent's kind of right about that with Denver at nine. But who's at eight? That's like the one thing you got to look at. Um, Let me look. Not the sure. Panthers. Panthers. And the Panthers is not Darnold. So, I, I, I mean, they still, they still could be in the market of drafting a quarterback. Who knows? So, um. I don't know. I, I, I don't think Fields is going to last till then, or maybe even Lance. But I, if someone wants to come up to seven and take a quarterback, go ahead and make that move. I think that's what I would do personally, but you don't want to get low-balled. Like the seven pick is a very valuable like trade chip and piece. So I don't know. I think they either go Sewell, Smith, or Waddle. Um, the, the, more, the more and more that I have pondered over this I think the more that my feelings have become stronger and, and more clear so I will I, I want to first I, I think the easiest way for me to do this is to kind of run through one through seven of like a mock draft in, in, in kind of piece out where I think people are going I think Trevor Lawrence is going to go one one that's no surprise there as far as the Jets go it seems like Zach Wilson has has been the name that's been tied to the Jets for a long time now whether or not it's him doesn't really matter to me. They're taking a quarterback. So we go to pick three. This is where I think now I read some report the other day that apparently the San Francisco 49ers have narrowed their selection down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. I don't know how true that is. And based on Kyle Shanahan's comments about how someone asked him today, will Jimmy Garoppolo still be on the roster come this next season? And he goes, well, I can't even tell you who's going to be alive on our roster come Sunday or something. So that was like psycho, but I get the sentiment. So it sounds like that the San Francisco 49ers are going to be taking a quarterback. This is where the kicker comes is pick four with the Atlanta Falcons, because these guys could go take an offensive lineman and try to preserve Matt Ryan's frail old bones for the rest of his career. They could go take his successor, whether that's a Lance, a Mac Jones, or a Justin Fields, or they go with like a Kyle Pitts, or they might take a receiver. So that's the pick that I think really, really matters for the Lions, because if the if the Falcons don't take a quarterback, then the quarterback pool obviously stays pretty expansive. You know the Bengals aren't taking a quarterback. You know that the Dolphins aren't taking a quarterback. So a team like, as you said, Trent, is the team like the Broncos or a team like, I would say, even the Patriots might see that and go, okay, well, there's really no teams in front of us that scare us as far as taking a quarterback. So you'd have you'd almost have to hope if you're a Lions fan that a quarterback does go off the board of the Falcons because now your quarterback commodity increases tenfold, right? Because let's go down the list still. We look at the Bengals at five. If they don't take Sewell, this organization deserves to be removed from the league for a year. Penny Sewell is the pick for the Bengals at five. I have made this pick for you. If he falls to the Lions at seven, I'm looking my chops go ahead and take him because I think he could be a Hall of Famer. 
But the Bengals, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world, too, when they were releasing all these pictures of of the new uniforms the Bengals have. And Joe Burrow's picture of him sitting on that throne or whatever, and you can see the scar from his ACL surgery. And everyone on Twitter is like, tell me you're taking an offensive lineman at five without telling me you're taking an offensive lineman at five. That should be the pick. Now we get to six. I have to imagine they're going to want to put some weapons around two as far as the Dolphins are concerned. I have to imagine Jamar Chase is the pick here. So now we get to seven. So you don't think what, – what, it's not crazy that Chase goes uh, – Ellis, I mean, uh, Bengals. Let's say, dude, that yeah, that has to be an offensive lineman. You have no, you I agree. Rabs, I agree. I agree, but I'm just Boyd, saying, you have Higgins. I mean, I get it, and that's like the people are like, oh yeah, the, the connection of, of LSU. It's not crazy to think that. I think everyone in that front office of the Bengals should be fired if they do take Chase, but it's a possibility. So now I'm looking at seven. With the Lions. And as I said, I think your best bet is that you have to hope quarterbacks go one through four. I don't know how likely that is. I don't know if that's ever even happened. And you have to hope that now your quarterback pool is so depleted because one through four, they're all gone, that you have to hope now that the that the Broncos or the Patriots are freaking out and they go, we got to move up there because I don't – see, that's the thing. I don't know if anyone believes the Lions are taking a quarterback anymore. More. and I oh. really hope they don't but that's what you have to hope because I as Trent said would like to think that the Lions can move back to a nine they could potentially move back to the Patriots at 15 the Washington football team the Washington football team at 17 that's another one to watch could be another one too good call Trent and I would like to hope that you can move Seven. down and you get some extra draft capital and now I'm looking my chops looking at a Micah Parsons I know there's been some stuff about some locker room crap that's come up with him I just think here at seven and this is where I talk about my feelings getting stronger as I've now been talking in circles for the last half hour the more and more that I look at this draft pick at seven I actually think I would be disgusted if they took a wide receiver. And I say that because I think this wide receiver class is so deep that if you can get another pick in the late first round, or if you can get another second round pick, I think that's the time where you go wide receiver because yes, Jared Goff needs help. Your wide receiver room right now ain't all that great. So at some point in this draft, they need to spend a high pick on a wide receiver. I would agree with that. But with that being said, this team is so far away from being a legitimate contender for the Super Bowl, and that's been made clear now that you've lost Matthew Stafford. That is Jared Goff getting Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith going to take your team to the next level? Absolutely not. You need to go out and get a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. Whether that's Parsons for you, whether that's Quiddy Pay for you, I don't need to see, see you take another cornerback and like a Patrick Sertain. I don't need to see you go out and take Asante Samuel Jr. I really don't. You just took Jeff Okuda. The jury is very much out on him. I think that Lions fans would be sick if you took a cornerback at seven, let alone moving back and taking one. You need to get a guy that can make a difference and cause havoc on defense. Whether you think that's Parsons, whether you think that's Quiddy Pay, I really don't care. To be, whether it's the guy from Notre Dame whose last name I can't pronounce at linebacker, you can take him if you want. That has to be the pick. I get what you're saying. I get, hey, if they take a quarterback, glass half full is like, all right, 
Goff's here for one or two years. They're going to groom this kid they brought in. Clearly they like him. That's fine, and I get it. But I can't – you really can't sell me on it. You really can't sell me on a receiver because, like I said, you're not close. There's no reason for you to grab a receiver because he ain't going to be changing things for you here in Detroit, bro. He don't speed your rebuild up. You get a guy like Parsons. You get a guy like Quiddy Pay. You get my Notre Dame guy. That's a guy that can stick and be a pillar of your defense and play and make plays on a defense that's been so bad for the majority of my life. That has to be the pick. Now it's up to Brad Holmes as far as where he thinks he can move back and still get his guy. But that to me is what they should do. What I think they'll do. I don't want to do the cop out here, but I don't know. I could see them staying at seven. I could see them taking alignment. I mean, this kid from Northwestern who for whatever reason now people seem to think that he might be better than Penny Sewell. I would disagree because I think Sewell is going to be a stud and has been a stud. But with that being said, if they go lineman, Fine with me, dude. That's a position that matters. The line matters on both sides of the ball. So go ahead and take a guy there. I don't really care. I think they have some leverage here. I think trading back is just the best call because I I just hope that quarterbacks are flying off the board and these teams start to panic and think these guys aren't getting down to me. So we'll see. But that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the move is here. I actually think I would be disgusted if they take pits for all, all, all these Lions fans that want to sit here and tell me about how, Oh, the Pettigrew pick was bullshit. The Ebron pick was bullshit. They took Hawkinson too high. If you go take Kyle Pitts now at seven and you try to justify me why now all of a sudden after all these years of you shitting on the Lions for taking a tight end, why this is okay now, then I would tell you to kick rocks. Well, I think it's because it's because Kyle Pitts isn't really a tight end. He's a wide receiver. So let's – I say what you want about Pitts. He lines up as a tight end. He's a wide receiver. You know what, Rams – I, I have a question for Ravs TV first. Go for when it. you talk about Parsons and Payne, you want them traded back, or would you be fine if they took any of those guys at seven? If if they took if they took them at seven, my thought process then becomes the Broncos are not scared whatsoever that you're taking a quarterback and all these other teams between the Patriots, and if you want to throw, if you want to throw Washington into that mix, they clearly think that no matter what. The teams ahead of them ain't taking a quarterback. We have no reason to move. So I'm fine with that. All that means. So is- you're fine with Parsons at seven and Payne at seven. I'm fine. I'm fine with. I'm. I'm honestly fine with both of those things. Yes. Okay. I just want to. I because I because I think if you asked someone two months ago if the Lions would be fine with Micah Parsons at seven, they would be jumping up for joy. I really do think that. I his, think his stock has like fell a oh, bit too. Yes. If you so, watch him on field, he's incredible. I don't know what's going on. To be honest, I, I don't know. Uh, he, no, but I, I just a- think it's a good it's a good question that you ask, and it's something that I have to now stand up here and own with the fact that yes, if it comes to you at seven, and I it, it sounds like everything I'm reading is that the Lions are getting a lot of calls for seven. So clearly something something has just had to happen if they don't move out of there of just like look the not the right teams aren't calling because clearly like i said the broncos think that they're going to be able to get their guy at nine because they know the lions aren't taking a quarterback they know the panthers aren't taking a quarterback we're fine at nine and the patriots are fine at 15 waiting for a quarterback to drop if they even want to go quarterback which they they very well could so yeah, if you if you take Quiddy Pay or if you take Parsons at seven and you feel that good about it, that to me not only is saying like, hey, 
you are getting the best linebacker available. You are getting the best edge rusher available. Maybe it's a bit earlier than you could have gotten them, but you got to take best player available. And every player in this draft fits a need. Every single position fits a need in this draft. So that's my answer to that. Trent, I know you had something to say too. Go ahead. Well, first I want to correct something I said earlier, the Washington football team of the 19th pick, not the 17th pick, but that's, you know, just whatever. Um, so here, there are three names to me that are like, if they're available at seven, if they quote unquote fall to you, you have to pick them. And that is Penny Sewell, Justin Fields, and uh, Kyle Pitts. I really think like if they're all available and okay. Or and Jamar Chase. I would, yeah. Okay, okay that's fair too, Collins. Jamar Chase. Um, if but, four quarterbacks go off the board, there is a scenario where, eh, I don't, I think, I think Chase is end up in Miami, but I mean, just saying, I mean, you never know. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I, I'm just – those are the three guys to me that, like, if they're there at seven and the Lions aren't set on moving back and they're going to st- stick at seven, it's got to be one of those three guys. If you pick Micah Parsons at seven or, like, Devontae Smith or something like that, I, I'm not – again, I'm not going to, like, hate it. I just think you can clearly get one of those guys at nine or maybe even 15, not not Smith, but maybe Parsons at 15. Rayshon Slater's another guy at 15. You can probably get him. And then if you fall away to 19 – you know, that linebacker, God bless him, can't pronounce his name from Notre Dame, J-O-K, I'm going to call him. Uh, you could get him at 19. And, and Aziz Ojolari, or Ojolari, the edge rusher from Georgia, you can maybe get him at 19 too. But those, those to me are the names. It's like there's three distinct categories. There's guys that you have to pick at seven, and then there's guys that you could trade back and get. Or you could just pick them at seven and just do what you did last season with Jeff Okuda. You know, obviously the, the value for picking a corner at three wasn't really – there but there also wasn't really a move for the lions to make to to pick them like later in the top 10 or something like that so if that's a situation that brad holmes finds himself in fine just pick your guy at seven it's just you guys have hit the nail on the head that if four quarterbacks go off the board in those first four picks the world becomes your oyster i think if you're the detroit lions that's it i don't know i would totally agree trent perfectly put um i guess the old, I know the draft stuff. Look, we're not draft experts. I, I, I don't think we're really doing anyone a service by going all the way down to round seven to tell you who we think they're going to take. And although, to our credit, we all had Quintez Cephas in the fifth round last year. Thank you very much. That, that, was, is, that is absurd that we did that because we didn't, crazy. we didn't compare notes or anything. And then it happened. So that was huge. Um, I guess to, to finish draft talk before we do some of maybe the fun stuff, I don't know how we're doing on time, Trent, but – Maybe we can do some of the questions you asked to replace the trifecta. I don't know, but yeah, um, trifecta. okay, let's, let's, let's look at the rest of the draft. Um, I just want to know if you guys have any players that come to mind or position specific picks as far as like they need to get a wide receiver with their second round pick or whatever, anything else that jumps out at you that you want to get onto the table here, as far as the draft goes, please draft someone on the defensive line and please draft a linebacker. That's all I asked for. Yeah, you know, I, I really think the biggest need in this draft is, is, is obviously the defense, specifically pass rushers. And I would actually prioritize the linebacker position more, like an outside yeah. linebacker, than I would yes. a lineman. Because what, what does honestly, Campbell run? Do they go 3 4? Who? Campbell. Like, what are they going to run? Are they running a 4 3 or 3 4? I think it's a 4 3. Okay. But my, my point is this like, I, I just. I really, 
I'm not going to sit here and like prop Trey Flowers up and Romeo Quara. Like I really loved Romeo in the season he had. And, you know, we were all pretty disappointed when they didn't tag him thinking that meant he was out the door only for them to bring him back. So I, and, and Brockers, I think is going to be a very underrated signing. So I, I don't necessarily think there's a ton of need on the defensive line. There is need for sure. Like they need to get a guy or two, but you know, you also got to remember Penasini was pretty good last season. So you have to, you know, those guys are going to get more PT and we'll see what happens. But the, the linebacker room is atrocious right now. And I just think you have to at least at least one linebacker in the first two two picks, preferably. And then, you know, maybe maybe two. Who knows? Um, but that those are the biggest needs for me. And then, you know, as far as the offense goes, you're set on tight end. I think you're pretty set on offensive line. You've got Swift. You signed Jamal. Uh, what's his face? Jamal Williams. I would pick a receiver at some point because, you know, we talk about how deep this class is. Rabs, you're exactly right. I know it, it does seem a little top-heavy, but there are a lot of names. And if you're not going to pick, like, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddell at 7 or 9 or wherever the hell you end up picking, then you can just get a couple guys later in, like, the third round or something like that. I don't know. But I do think you have to pick a receiver because that's another room right now that is not very strong. And Jared Goff, if we know anything about Jared Goff, we don't have to get into all that. But it, it might get pretty bad if he doesn't have a couple of guys to go up to the ball. So that's it. I think you got to look at edge rushers. I think you got to look at linebackers, and then you got to look at receivers. Yeah, I, I again, I don't. I hate to just sit here and repeat everything that you guys said, but as as far as players that jump out to me, I'll tell you what: the guy that I really liked watching in the little bit that I watched Florida football, this Kadarius Tony. I think someone I read on Twitter someone nice. called the human joystick or something. I like that a lot, but um, he's a wide receiver from Florida that I would just, I think it would be cool to see him play. I think he's a tremendous athlete. So um, I don't know if he has any, I doubt that he has any looks at going in the first round, but if he's there in the second round for the lions, I wouldn't hate them, them taking him, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know that I know enough. I know 250 some college football players of who you can take. I just think, as you guys said, priorities to me lie on the defensive side of the ball defense wins championships I don't care if you're playing Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen whoever that's still true I don't care how good your offense is as you've seen and and with the Chiefs not taking care of the Super Bowl victory defense wins championships so um, I think linebacker is the number one priority I think on the edge obviously you can you can never have enough edge rushers defensive line the cornerback situation kind of stinks um I would say on the offensive side of the ball, guys, outside of wide receiver, honestly, like I think they're, I mean, they're fine. Like I, I don't know, but they, they could use, they could use players everywhere. So that's about all I have to say as far as what I would like to see them do with the draft. Um, if we want to Trent sent over some questions that we can, I guess, use to replace the trifecta Trent, do you want to take the reins of it or would you like me to facilitate here? Trent's on mute. Sorry, Trent's I'm on mute. I can I can do it if you'd like. If you would like me to facilitate and give you a little bit of a rest, and maybe give yeah, you some, chance yeah. some analysis instead of getting all of our sloppy thirds every time the question's asked. But go yeah, ahead. Rabs, what if if the Lions are to take a quarterback? You know, because that that's one of the biggest yeah. it's one of the biggest storylines, and it's probably not going to happen with them getting Jared Goff and everything. But uh, crazy crazy shit happens. So who's Who's your favorite quarterback that the Lions could realistically get? So, like, not Lawrence, not Wilson, after that. Um, that's a great question. I'm going to tell you, because you don't give me the option of Wilson or Lawrence, which sucks because I think Wilson, the more and more I, I look at Wilson, I think he actually might be pretty solid. I would tell you 
from a guy that probably has only watched Trey Lance take six snaps in my entire life, I would say Trey Lance. And I say that because the picture of Mac Jones just looking fat and disgusting that's on the internet really makes I love me that picture. And I, I just think that – Relatable. Justin, I think Justin Fields is going to need – and maybe this is just me completely devaluing – Justin Fields is, is a quarterback talent, and that could be on me. Maybe this is me getting sucked into the fact that it feels like no Ohio State quarterbacks are ever successful in the NFL. I just think that Justin Fields is going to need to go to a better situation than here in Detroit for him to be successful. I know, Collins, you said the same thing about Lance and just saying, like, it's not going to work here in Detroit. I just think it seems like he has enough raw talent to where if they could put a couple weapons around him and protect him – I think that he could actually just be an absolute baller and it would be a blast to watch. So if the Lions were to take a quarterback, I would just say, hey, take a flyer on Trey Lance. He's, it seems like he's got a lot of intangibles and tangible talent that would make him a successful NFL quarterback. So why not? Go for him. Collins, what you think? Uh, I would go Fields. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand the whole fields then. I think he's going to be good in the league. I just really do. I, I just – there's like I, – I understand that this is not – there's no like – there's literally no rhyme or reason to a quarterback being good in the league. And, and every single one of us have probably like said someone in the drafts is going to be awesome who has stunk. You know what I mean? Like we, it's not – it's – you're crazy if you're ever like, oh, I, I got a perfect record. No one ever gets it right. But I just genuinely – what I've seen from Justin Fields is like in bigger games, like he competes and shows up and, and from every, like you could see, tell this kind of how much his like teammates respect him when he made big plays. And that Clemson game was just like eye popping to me for him to get hurt and injured like that. And he just torched Clemson's defense. I, I, I think is this, I don't necessarily think you need to be the most talented guy to be successful in the NFL, but like, I do think you need to have like a little bit of that angst and like want to be awesome. Like you can be super talented and be good in the league. I do believe that too. But like, I, I think fields has that, like, like once he gets on the field, he thinks he's the baddest guy out there. And I think that helps you when you're in the NFL, especially as a younger quarterback, when you have that confidence. And I think I, I just think fields is the third best quarterback in this draft maybe the second best in my mind yeah okay I I tend to err more on Collins side and that I like Fields more than I like Trey Lance however given the situation the Lions are in it's like Trey Lance the consensus is like he's gonna have to sit for a year that's what people are saying so like if you got Jared Goff and you pair him with Trey Lance and again none of this is probably gonna happen it's just hypotheticals but all right second question who is your favorite skill player the Lions could take realistically and Rabs will go to you first on this one Oh, my favorite skill player the Lions can take. I would say Jamar Chase. Um, God, I just – I think to be realistic, I just don't see him dropping past Miami. I just think that's such a – unless Pitts is there for Miami. I mean, I'm trying to think of who they have. At, I mean, again, I know you guys – no one wants to call Kyle Pitts a tight end. I get it. Um, I would – I like Pitts a lot. I do. It's just like, I don't know. I think Jamar Chase – I, I, I think he's just an electrifying player. I would I would like to think that that's probably my favorite. I would say outside of that, too, I mean, I don't know. I would say, I mean, Jamar Chase, that's my answer. That's my, that's my skill position guy. I don't think he's going to be available for the Lions. If he is, 
That might be my one caveat as to where I don't I don't bang my head against the wall that they took a receiver at seven. So, all right, Jamar Chase, Collins, who do you like? Um, uh, I, I I mean Jamar Chase, I think like Rab said, it's kind of wishful thinking to be interesting. Other than that, um, I would like. I know this is crazy, like second or third round or whatever. I don't know where. I, I mean, he'll probably end up in the first round, but the Lions are going to have a high pick in the second round. But a guy like Etienne or Najee Harris, I know they just took a running back. I, I just don't understand where, why their value is so low. Like now, like to the fact we're like, okay, Etienne might get picked in the third round. Like I, I especially if they've basically given up on carry-on, which I think they have. Like I think it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Etienne with like a guy like Swift. I think that could be really interesting. I wouldn't do that. That's just my general conception. I think if their Lions are get any like skill position player, I would hope it would be a wide receiver. I don't hope it's a running back. I just want to make that point because I think Najee Harris and Travis Etienne and running backs this draft are being devalued for how good they really are. All right. I like I like Devontae Smith. I know I'm a sucker for being like, you know, he just won the Heisman and stuff. But again, Collins, kind of to your point about Etienne and Najee Harris, I just think Devontae Smith's uh, value is a little too low. I don't know. I, I, I know his measurables and everything, but the way they used him at Alabama, they got so creative. He's so fast. He's so like, – he has great ball control, everything. So I, it would be awesome – of course, your, your mind just goes – you see a tall, lanky receiver like that, and your mind just goes to Kelvin. It is what it is. So, I, I, I Rabs, I hear you on Jamar Chase. If he's if he's available, like we say, like you got to pick him at seven if he falls there. But I, I just don't see that happening, like you said. So, I'll stick with Devontae Smith. But um, favorite defensive player on the board that you like for the Lions, Rabs? Favorite defensive player on the board, I would say I'd give my nod to Parsons over uh, over Quiddy Pay. I just think, God, I just a guy that's been watching Big Ten football, like he's, I think he could be a monster in the NFL, man. I really do. I don't know why his stock is dropping. I think there was some off the field issues or something that happened in the locker room that I'm not really well versed on, but I would say Micah Parsons is my guy. I hate to say Quiddy Pay because I have. Not a big Michigan Michigan guy by any stretch of the imagination. Did Pay play this year? Huh? He got hurt. He got hurt this year. Yeah, right? he, he played. Yeah, that. he was good. I I I would have to ask my Michigan buddies what they think about taking Pay. I don't know if I would like defensively. I don't like I said Pay and like Parsons at like twelve. Fine, fine, perfect. Sign me up. I would be fine if they took Parsons at seven, just for the fact that I can't stand watching. Jelani Tavai and Jared Davis is absolutely toasted in coverage because Micah Parsons, as good as he is in run support, he's just really athletic. He's a very athletic running back. So I, I think he'll be pretty solid in coverage. He'd be like the only guy I would like be fine with them taking at seven. Because defensively, it's not like they have super, super elite guys at the top of this draft. It's more of offensive pool at that side of the draft. Yep, I'm going Parsons too. We are in har- harmony. Uh, the Lions linebacker room for as horrible what horrible as it was last season, they still just don't have. I mean, Jared Davis left, Christian Jones left, so it, there's no depth there. You're kind of down to Jalen Reeves, Maven, and Jamie Collins and Jelani Tavai. So uh, that is not ideal. I would like Michael Parsons. I would prefer them to trade down if they're going to pick him, but like you say, Collins, I just want him so bad. So if you have to pick him at seven, you do it, and it is what it is. Um, what's your favorite draft pick the Lions have made in the last few years? Like just recent memory, probably like the Bob Quinn era. 
who's your favorite player that when they when they got drafted, you were just fired up, Rabs? Um, I would say I would say one one pick that I guess being hindsight 2020 that in the moment I was like, what? But that ended up turning out being my favorite was probably Frank Ragnow. I would say the pick to your exact question, as far as a guy that you saw the pick and go, wow, like, let's go. I would say DeAndre Swift, because I didn't think a, he was going to be there or B that the lion's going to have the balls to take them. So that was absolutely awesome to see DeAndre Swift. It'd be nice if they give him the ball more than they give the, the 35 year old guys that they sign every single year, but that's yet to be seen. But I think that he is going to continue to be a very exciting player for the Lions. So that was, I hate, I know that's extremely, extremely recent, but that's a guy that I was like, yeah, awesome. Can't wait to watch him. Uh, for me, in the moment, I, I'm not going to lie, Jared Davis. I was pretty fired up in the Lions with Jared Davis. Because if you looked at that roster, you're like, oh, I really like this piece. And if you had ever watched Florida, he was awesome at Florida. Like he was yep. really, really good. And it was between like him and Reuben Foster. I mean, Reuben Foster, I wanted them to draft. Turned out that was the right move because he turned out to be a horrible human being. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, him, I was fired up with Sue. I, like Sue was probably, I loved the Domicron Sue. I think everyone in Detroit loved Sue his first couple of years here. Um, and then other than that, I'm trying to think. And probably Drew Stan. They picked Drew Stan to set around. I was like in tears. As a little child. All right. Um, I will say my favorite pick from the last few years was last season. It was Julian O'Quara. I was so fired up for a couple reasons. Number one, I just love the brothers thing. Saw the video today on Twitter of that happening yeah. last year, their reaction and him saying we're about to be roommates and him and Romeo being so happy. That was cool. Um, but also because I came on here and said that I wanted them to pick him. So it's always nice when like, especially with the draft, when like it's so hard to predict stuff and like the third round, um, yeah, that, so that was a fun that was a fun little toot my own horn, horn moment. Then he ended up like getting hurt and not playing that much. But I think he's gonna have a really good sophomore season. Um, let's do this now. Conversely, what's your least favorite draft pick the Lions have made in the last few years? Like when it happened, you're screaming, you're pissed off, you don't even watch the rest of the draft, you're done. Raps. I hated the Hawkinson pick. I did. Oh, did you really? That yes. I didn't like it. If we're talking about recent memory. I thought it was funny that they took him because no one wanted them to take him. Like, say what you want to say, like about like how how good he's been. There was general like pissed offness just from the fact that they take Hawkinson. Yeah, and I think Ebron was kind of the same way. Ebron was kind of like, "This is weird. Why did they do this?" I don't think in the moment it was like pure hatred, and then he played for a couple of years, and then it became pure hatred of that pick. And then another one in the moment, um, I kind of was like, "Why did we draft Nick Fairley?" I'll never forget that. I was like, I, I get the idea that you want to have like this awesome defensive line. But like at that stage, I remember I was like, I don't know who else was on the board, but I was like, why are we taking a D lineman? But those are like the three I can think of off the head. I did not like the Hodgson pick. I, I thought that was pretty obvious, but the way I've been talking about him the last couple of years. Um, as obvious as this one is, friend of the pod, Will Gerzik's favorite player, Jelani Tavai. And I'm not, gonna pretend, I'm not going to pretend to sit here and be like, oh, I knew that he, like, I knew Jelani Tavai's tape. I, like, I read, I had no idea who the guy was, but the fact that the way that it was produced on TV of like, we don't even have information on this guy because we didn't think he was going until the fifth round. It was great too. They went to commercial too. 
That like was, you, you, you never saw any film of them. Yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. What just that happened? That always happens to the Lions, dude. That yeah. every, They could have the number one overall pick, and that would happen to the Lions too. But that that pick, just the fact of everything that happened as far as these guys being like, well, we didn't see this one coming, that to me was like, this is just so Lions to think that they're like smarter than everyone else to just take a guy who's like probably not going to be good. And I've seen enough of Jelani Tavai. So that pick when it happened – I was like, dude, really? Like, no one even has, no one even knows where this guy went to college, like, let alone like having tape on him. And this is the guy we took in the second round. So that was that. One that I hated, and this was even another one from last season, was uh, Jason Huntley in the fifth round. I was like, he didn't even make the roster. I was like, Bob Quinn, what the hell are you doing? We need, we need pass rushers. And, I wasn't wild about the Swift pick when it happened because I like carry on that much. Like I, I didn't hate the Swift pick. I just, and, and, you know, again, it just didn't make any sense. It's like, why are we picking another running back after we have carry on? We just picked Swift and then it, 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 he didn't even make the team turns out. So that was, that was ridiculous. That was Bob Quinn trying to outsmart himself and whatever, but yes, that, that concludes my, uh, my questions, I guess the trifecta for the week. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a lot of negativity today, but it was warranted. Yeah. Well, I guess we can wrap things up here. As we said, NFL draft will be on Thursday. We'll have our reactions to that coming next week. Um, other than that, let's see if the Tigers can pull off a win sometime in the next couple months. Doubt it. <laughs> That's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Don't miss a single episode of the show. We're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify. New episodes every single week. We will see you next time.